generate is supporting my vision to improve the financial literacy of 100,000 Kiwis by sponsoring Keep the Change. Cheers, Generate. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to find out more. Getting in the KiwiSaver fund that suits you and your situation is key to making sure you're maximising your investment. Generate are an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of long-term performance and they can help you do exactly this. Their advisors can meet with you to talk about all your options when it comes to KiwiSaver to help you decide what's best for you. Too many people never get KiwiSaver advice, but not you. Go to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to book a no-obligation chat with a Generate advisor. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Welcome back, you are listening to another episode of KeepTheChange.co.nz's 30 and 30, we're up to day number 28, the 28th of March, welcome wherever you are tuning in from, two days to go to my birthday, that means someone's already asked, what are we going to do in April, I'm going to miss you, I, I feel like it was those kind of vibes I was getting in the DMZ, you know, been a long time since I got a message like that, but hey, I'll take it. You have to find somebody else to tune into in April because I'll probably get deep back into my accounting job. Part of why I was doing this in March too is that from sort of the 1st of April into the new financial year and that's when Luke has to really put his head down again and grind out this next financial year um, and try and get through that so I can get back into some cooler projects towards the back end of the year. But uh, rest assured, I'll still be here every Friday in your inbox and I might even put together... I was, I was thinking, Jade, uh, in my office here, she asked me, would I look at doing another content series? She's been tuning in, which is awesome to see. And I thought maybe something around mindset and some of the work that I've done to kind of clean up my mind uh, and what mindset means to me and those types of things. I've spoken about some of those things um, in the podcast I did around the tactics and whatnot that I've used to clock 2021. Um, but yeah, this I, I sort of did a series for Next Advisory around it. If you want to dig it out, it's called The Next Level. And it was sort of from more of a business focus, but I might try and pop one off for everyday people as such. Um, you and I, you know, and it doesn't necessarily need to just be business focused, but uh, we'll see where we go. But anyway, we've still got a few days to get through. And today we're going to be talking about some of your questions that I got sent in as part of this 30 and 30 I've been keeping a record of what people have been asking and I've got about 10 things to sort of rattle through here. So I won't go too deep on all of them because I'm going to cover some of these things in tomorrow's episode as well, which you'll I won't give that away now. You can wait till tomorrow, keep the suspense there. Uh, but someone wanted to know how, how, how old was I um, during these lessons. So I guess they kind of went right back to my childhood, right? If we go right back to the start. But uh, more specifically, once I probably started doing a bit more and, and, and quitting my job and achieving some of my financial goals because, as we know, in my 20s, I was basically just pissing it up. So I sort of I quit my job before I was 30, and I was 29, 28, 29, and it's really taken me 
five years to kind of really graduate myself to that top tax bracket. So 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22, uh, one, two, three, four, five years. It's, it's taken me five years. And that's why often you'll hear me reference the fact that if you put your head down and grind for five years, you'll be blown away at where you can get to. I actually had a, I got two cool stories for you from the last two days of my work. I had a phone call, speaking of, you know, being in the top tax bracket the other day. Um, well, get this, I had a call with a client yesterday and they're making a million dollars in profit. They've got to pay tax on a million dollars. And that's around, I think it was 460000 bucks worth of tax. Is that right? Maybe that sounds a little bit too high. That sounds about like 46000 but they didn't even care. They're like, oh, yeah, cool. It's all good. And hey, for you ladies out there, this might excite you. It's a lady. It's a female. And I'm not surprised at that. This is the thing, you know, um, I've spoken about the oh, $370,000 in tax. Okay, I got that completely wrong. Three seventy. And, you know, people will talk about uh, how there's a pay difference and all those things, which I'm not disputing because I don't know the data. I've never researched that stuff. But I'm here to tell you that if you want it, it's there for you. Go and fucking get it, okay? I'm literally talking to someone yesterday who's going to pay tax on a million dollars of profit. And they don't even care. They're like, oh, you know, well, you know, I'm not very financially driven, but that's pretty cool, Luke. I'm glad you give me the heads up because I need to make sure that I put the tax money aside. So it is possible for all of us, not just guys. So don't let the boys fucking have all the fun and make all the cash and, and, and hold on to this belief that only they can do it because she's kicking a lot of people's asses. Also, Today, client in the office and they have quit their job, worst timing, COVID hit, they're basically scraping the bottom of the barrel, couldn't believe it, but managed to get their way through. They've been doing some work with us. It's by no means am I saying it's all the work we've been doing, but we've been helping them the whole way through and we're doing a lot of planning and stuff. They got to the point where I'm like, right, this is really working for you, mate. We need to make sure we put some real good foundations in place for this because it's going to keep scaling up. And they were basically 12 months into their journey of real kind of grunty growth. And they've managed to double, so 2x what their salary was and the role that they quit in 12 months. So they're already earning double. And they're doing over a million dollars in turnover, which puts them sort of into the top 15% of businesses in the country because a lot of small businesses in New Zealand don't actually breach or go past the million dollar uh, turnover level. So couple of stories there might give you a little bit of inspiration or just know that you know everyone's on their own journey and these things can take time and some people don't even care when they get there and other people can do things quickly. For me, you know, it's taken me sort of five years to really build out what we were trying to build out and, and we're only really warming up. But I've got to that point now where my tax is more than what my income was. I'm into that top tax bracket and that's exciting for me. But just like you, no matter what income level you're on, I'm still trying to practice some of the things that you are and that is to not be an idiot with my cash, to make sure that I save some, to make sure that I invest some, to keep my eyes open, to be financially secure and have an emergency fund and make sure that you know I can handle the things that, that come into my life and that's what we're all facing because as you earn more, you'll find ways to get rid of it and our problems become bigger our mortgages become bigger, all these things, our school fees become bigger and the money gets swallowed up. So we've got to put these principles in place to ensure that we are all good. But someone sort of said, oh, when did you stack your 100K? And that was, I think I said the date 
by the day we got there in that episode. I'd have to go back and get that, but that was a couple of years ago now. I think it was May 19, I think I said, because then I started putting together the templates for Keep the Change. But, um, you know, don't, like I said in yesterday's episode, don't necessarily compare yourself with other people, but I think this person just wanted some context of kind of, you know, when was this stuff happening? I'll be turning 34 to, oh no, not tomorrow, on the 30th, 29th, 30th, yeah, jumping the gun there, aren't I? That was sort of my age throughout it, but, um, you know, I've still got a long way to go, hopefully, and you know, we never know what life has in store for us, but um, yeah, I've, uh, I'm by no means slumming down at this stage. Now, someone wanted to know about the A2 Milk story. Well, I told you about that. And if you haven't heard that one, you've got to go back and listen to the intermission-type pod that I did on one of the days around buying shares. I think it was around day 10, for instance. Now, someone's also said, the moment you decided to leave your accounting job, like the actual moment, what, when was that? I covered that one off as well in the quitting my job episode, so I went pretty deep into that. And again, I think, you know, to reiterate, it's been one of the biggest decisions that's changed my life and the trajectory of my life. Uh, but, you know, I don't want to, I know there'd be a lot of people listening to this that aren't thinking about quitting their job. And that's cool too, because I don't want to just be that guy that's like, no, oh, fucking quit your job and fucking everything will be sweet because you might not want your own business. So then don't do that, you know. Don't just, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to do a blend of, of all the kind of content so that I don't just come off as that guy that's like, oh yeah, you know, that's the only solution because there are other solutions than that as well. Now someone's asked, what was your biggest money fuck up? And it's hard to put my finger on that, but I think in the episode I spoke about selling my house. Easy with hindsight, probably to look back and be like, that was kind of dumb given the way that the system works. And I'm going to talk about the system at some stage as well because the system in New Zealand favours those who own property. Now, to explain that very quickly, if you have a mortgage and your house becomes worth more, you have more equity, that means your house is increasing in value, your debt's staying the same or you're paying it down and you can access the equity. You have an unfair advantage in this country because usually you can go and borrow against that and you can do shit. G'day, I need 60 grand to build my deck. Yeah, yep, great, we'll want to see a quote for it. Oh, here's a quote from it from my mate who's a builder. Oh, beautiful, fucking 60 grand's in your bank account tomorrow from the bank. You beauty, you pay your bloody builder mate 30 grand and now you've got 30 grand to go and blow. 30 grand after tax in this country, you're probably looking at 50 grand of income. No one can just go to the boss, hey, can I just have a 50 grand pay rise? And you've got to wait a whole 12 months for it. With your property, you literally don't have to do anything to get that, you just have to hope that they keep printing and putting more money into the system and that house prices keep going up and the people are embedded in them that they need to buy a house that's going to drive the price up over time and the demand's going to be there and you've got an advantage over other people. So remember that if you own a home, you've got a form of advantage. You just need to know how to play the system but you need to learn the system and you need to play the system very well and make sure you stay in control of it and that it doesn't spiral out of control because I'm not advocating for just blowing money for the sake of it. But maybe my biggest fuck up was not um, holding on to that house and that was what it forced me to save and probably kept me in line for a little bit longer but I don't regret any of the things that I've done because I get to sit here and talk about them and I get to look back at and learn from them as well. Um, one of the other things, a little funny story for you, there's a share called AVZ and I um, had put some money into this a long time ago, 2017. I put about 500 bucks in now, about 
oh, what was it worth? I think maybe 10 cents a share maybe when I got it. Anyway, my mum turned up to my apartment maybe last year, year before, and said, oh, hey, I've got these couple of letters for you that I've brought up, and you need to change your address. Fucking stop getting your mail sent here. I'm like, yeah, mum, you've been saying that for five years, and I haven't done it. Let's just chill. Bring it up each time. God bless you, mum. I know you're listening. And she brings these letters up. I open one, and it's like, hey, um, we are, we're going to sell your shares in AVZ back to you. We're going to cash you out if we don't hear by you from this date. And I'm sort of like, oh, okay. Look at the date, and I was like, oh, that was like months ago. Open the next letter, and it's a check, and it's this Australian check from this company, ABZ. Like, here's your cash. Um, we didn't hear from you. You don't have any shares anymore. Go and bank this cash. And I, I think I made fifty bucks on my five hundred bucks. So by the time I took inflation to, uh, out of that, I got beat up. Anyway, I go down to this Westpac down by my apartment. They're like, "No, we don't bank those checks here." I'm like, "Of course you don't, you know, because fucking a bank wouldn't bank a check, would they? Don't be stupid, Luke. This is 2022." Like, well, what do I need to do? Oh, you need to go up to this branch. They'll bank it for you. I'm like, great. Next time I go through Newmarket or wherever it was, I'll go in there. Anyway, put the check in my car. I thought I did. And I've never seen the check again. Now, fast forward to 24th of March, 2022, uh, which is the day I'm recording this. Now, those shares are about ten. So I think my 500 bucks. so my portfolio still shows me that I own those 500 bucks. So when I log in there at the moment, it's like, yeah, you've got about six grand Australian. I'm like, fuck, I really need to take that out of there because it's just playing with me. But luckily, a little while ago, I did on Sharesies, once they launched Australian shares, I was like, I'm going to get some more of those. And I got some at 30 cents, I think. And so I've made a bit of coin. I've basically made the same amount. So I've made like 5K, which I would have made had I have actually held, still held those shares and I don't even know what's happened with that because I didn't bank that check, so they probably still owe me 500 bucks effectively. But um, that, that was a bit of a blowout as well because I just wasn't paying enough attention to my finances. But yeah, that, that stock's blowing up a little bit. AVZ Minerals, you might want to check that one out on the Australian stock market. There's a couple of money fuck-ups there. Um, but probably the 15 grand credit card, like that was really stupid. And... Yeah, that, that, that was, you know, a whole year to recover from that. Probably longer as well, but a whole year to pay that down. And as you've seen through some of these other lessons, it's slowed me down being able to achieve some of the other things that I've wanted to achieve because I've been tidying up the past sins of my life. And I know there's, there's a lot of young people listening to these. I've had countless messages from people like 23, 24, being like, mate, I've learned so much for your contents. Thank you so much. Um, and that's so cool to see because I just hope that you listening, you just won't do the dumb shit that I did and you won't even, when you get presented with the opportunity for that 10 grand credit card, you'll be like, I can hear that guy in my ear being like, don't do it, man, don't do it, because in three years' time, you'll fucking won't be able to buy those shares in zero or the next software company or be able to buy a house or whatever. So don't do the dumb shit, you know, stay away from, free money is never free, you know. It is the most expensive because it's the most painful to pay back at some stage because you don't value it. People that pay, pay attention. When shit's free, they just don't care, okay? And I've noticed through Next Advisory, as we've been more expensive for our business coaching and business advisory work, the people that pay more, they're way more invested in what they do. When we try and help people out and do it at a cheaper rate and stuff, they just didn't care. They just wouldn't execute on stuff. And so uh, we stopped doing it. We're just like, no, like we've, we've done with that. And there were government subsidies and stuff. And we're just like, nah, we're not signing up to any of that shit. We don't do it. And people be like, hey, can I use a subsidy with you guys? We're like, sorry. Like, no, because... We want people that are like fully invested in what they're doing. People that pay, pay attention. People that just want things for free. 
uh, won't value it. And you know that's that's just you know a blanket generalization. It's not for everybody, right? But if you get things for free, there's a high chance that you just won't care about it as much, or you won't value it as much, and you end up realizing that it sucks to pay those things back. What else have we got here? We got the A2 Milk, uh, quitting my job, biggest money fuck up. And someone says, I find all your content relevant. That's cool. I loved your message around get bigger problems. Can you explore this further? Well, basically, in a nutshell, if you sweat the small stuff, you'll continue to sweat the small stuff and it'll fuck you up. Um, And it'll just waste your time and drain your energy. So stop it and just get way bigger problems. That's basically it. But to give it some more context as well, I was speaking with a psychologist yesterday, trained psychologist, because I was doing a podcast for BGP around addiction. And that was one of my goals for this year was to be able to put a podcast like that together and build a connection with someone that's really talented and smart and an expert in that space. And I said to them, I researched and read that we have, um, I'm going to get this the wrong way. No, we have 70,000 thoughts a day. And 90% of those are thoughts from yesterday. And he said, you're spot on, Luke. And he said, do you know what else? I said, what's that? And he said, well, 80% of them are negative. So think about that. Every day, we have 70,000 thoughts in our brain, 90% of them are exactly the same as yesterday, and 80% of them are negative. So we are so negatively geared, and that's why when we jump on Instagram, oh, sorry, Twitter and platforms like that, there's just so much negative shit. And those people were probably thinking about it yesterday, and the day before, and the day before that, and the day before that, and they don't even realize. So audit what you're thinking about and try and keep an eye on whether those things are actually important or not and try and bring some new thoughts into your brain. So maybe you might get to a stage of keep the change and be like, man, that guy just always talks about the same shit. Well, then just switch it off for a bit and go and tune into maybe someone at polar opposite or somebody that can teach you something different because you want to help yourself have new thoughts so that you're not like everybody else and you can be more positive, and you can think about things that are actually going to help you rather than default to yesterday's thoughts and to negative thoughts. Now, that is easier said than done, obviously, but if you have people that in your life that make you negative, if there's people you follow that are negative, like, well, there you go, there's two, just get rid of those. Can you? We'll talk about those later on in this pod too because someone's asked about that. But when we have bigger problems to solve, we're usually not so worried about the small shit. And you'll hear people whinging about sort of small stuff and it's like, fuck, mate, I don't even have the time to listen to that because I'm trying to solve the fact that um, something massive's happened. And to go back to a couple of days ago in the pods when I talk about my stepdad dying. Now, we've all had that situation in our life where someone passes away and all of a sudden, All of those thoughts from yesterday, they're gone. We've got a whole new set of problems and we've got massive problems to solve. But, you know, if you said to someone, hey, plan me a funeral in the next 24 hours, just out of the blue, they'd probably be like, I could not do that. But when they're forced to, when they've got a big problem to solve, humans will always solve big problems. They'll find a way to solve them. And look at what we've built in terms of a world and society and massive buildings and shit. Like, that has taken so many smart people to figure out how to solve these big problems. They don't get solved by people sitting around being like, oh, I can't believe the bloody waitress didn't bring my biscuit over with my coffee. It's just 
fucking despicable service. And you're like, oh, seriously? Like, put your hand up and say, excuse me, you forgot my coffee. Like, let's rumble because I want to get out of here and carry on kicking some ass out there. So look at all the things you complain about and your problems. Just be like, ah, these real problems. Can I get some bigger ones? And same thing for me with like building that app, for instance. I'm like, well, shit, I'm going to have to figure this one out. I'm like, that's a pretty big problem to solve. Let's get after it. Then I'm focusing on how to solve that rather than all the other shit like, oh, I don't have enough money to do it. And, oh, you know, it'd be good if someone respected what we did some more. And that was kind of some of the rhetoric that we'd go through. And it's like, fucking, let's bin it. Let's just figure out how to solve it, get bigger problems. And then the small ones become less relevant. So that's kind of what I mean when I talk about that. Now, someone has asked um, who, how, would, how you decide who gets a seat at your table and who doesn't. I found this a fascinating question. Uh, I don't even think I'd be smart enough to ask a question like that, but I think what this person means is, like, who do you let inside your circle, I guess? And why I'll tie this one to the last one is because when people are overly negative all the time, I just start to decrease the time that I can give them because it drains the shit out of me. And if I can help them, I will help them. If they'll listen, if they'll learn, more than happy to. If they present with the same problems over and over again, it makes it very hard to want to continue to help them um, because you start to get fatigued by that, right? So maybe be careful who you're giving your time and your energy to and whether that's impacting on your own relationships and the other people that you're hanging around because you've then got to go offload to them about, oh, I caught up with such and such and holy shit. But um, one thing I try and do too is seek out people who are really smart or who inspire me or who challenge me or just have a real positive energetic lens on the world uh, or who have been through stuff and just, um, you know, see what you can learn from those people. And sometimes I get fascinated about different things. I get hit up all the time to... Like today I got asked, can, you go on a, can I go on a podcast? And I'm like, yeah, I'll come on it, but hit me up when you've done 50 episodes because I had a look and I'd done about six. And I'm like, well, I've done fucking 36 this month. So is this a good use of my time? No, probably better to spend it with you guys and actually finish this shit off. And so that's what I did. I said, I can't come on until you've done 50. I got on my scooter and I came back to work tonight to actually finish off my own project. So I've got to be keep, like careful about those types of things. Contrast to earlier in the week, someone, absolute stranger, got in touch and they were like, hey, I'm kind of feeling a bit lost with accounting. I'm like, well, know what that can be like because I've had this conversation a thousand times with people who do, uh, with people who do accounting. And they said, um, could you give me any words of wisdom? And I'm like, maybe let's jump on a call for 15 minutes and I'll see if I can help you. Um, and this person was in Samoa and I was like, Samoa? I'm like, fuck, I know nothing about Samoa. I'm like, sweet, yeah, let's jump on a call. And I ended up on there for like half an hour because I was like, how many people live in Samoa? Like, what's going on? Like, how'd you do end up doing accounting in Samoa, like how does that work? And those kind of things will like fascinate me. So I'll go and try and learn from just random situations as well. And um, I'd encourage you to do that, like try and get to know the people that you work with and why they think the way they think and what they might be able to teach you and all of those types of things. But um, ultimately, I, I look for people who have done things really well and they are often who I'm really keen for advice from. So um, no disrespect because I know my family listen to, but uh, to this, but I, I I'll get their opinion on things. But would I go and get business advice from my family members who haven't run a business? Probably not. And I've had to learn that with different subjects in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to get that person's bias. And I probably didn't figure this out till way later in life. 
uh, probably a lot later than what I needed to. Uh, often people will give you advice based on what they've done and based on what their parents taught them. And then you go and talk to someone that's just completely different. You go like, how is this advice so polar opposite? So um, think about who you can ask questions of and then who else you could go to and get a different opinion on as such. But don't go what's called opinion shopping where you're just looking for a thousand opinions but not, and not actually going to kind of like settle on something. I think if people have done things and they've got experience, I seem to, I, I really like those types of people because I know that they know what to do. So I say, go to a, a, a Google AdWords specialist. Like, oh, hey, what do you think about Facebook marketing? Oh, no, you probably shouldn't do that. You know, let's stick to bloody Google AdWords. Oh, okay, sweet. And then I speak to someone that's run a business, the exact same business as mine. Well, have you used any Facebook marketing? They're like, yeah, we absolutely crushed it. Go and speak to this person. I'm like, well, which one of those is probably going to be your better bet? But you've got to play with those types of things and figure it out. But uh, in terms of then, like, coming my way, or who I spend time with and stuff, people that bring me energy and that fill me up and that I really enjoy their fellowship and companionship and I know who will be there for me and we'll have some ups and downs and those types of things. But um, you know, I really try and look after the people that are around me if I can. Um, and yeah, I'm very lucky to have uh, a lot of friends, but I, I probably could have like a lot more. I used to have more and... I just don't have the time now to kind of like maintain all of those anymore. But if people really need me, then I will try and give them what I can um, when I can. So hopefully that answers that, but uh, it's a bit of a long-winded answer there. Now, uh, how you chose to go about repaying a student loan. Now, this is a goodie because I left this off and I forgot about this. So I will talk about this at some stage. But I was very lucky that I didn't leave university with much of a loan, because I got the student allowance, so I didn't get many um, like weekly loan costs that you can get, living costs, but I did get the course-related costs because it's like, oh, $1,000 for free. Like, you beauty, of course I will. So I was a dickie that did that, but I'm pretty sure all students did that. So, you know, I'm not judging you. Um, again, free money, you're like, why wouldn't I? But um, also, my dad paid off my loan. So now you're like, oh, yeah, here he is, privileged little... I was going to say white boy, but you probably can't say that because people are like, oh, now you're saying privileged and you're a racist. So, shit, I probably just ruined 28 days of pods with that one sentence. But anyway, yeah, maybe I'm a privileged little white boy. Uh, but what happened was mum and my dad separated, as I explained to you, and um, dad would put money aside for us when we were growing up and said that if the kids want to go to uni, then the money's there to do that and I'll ensure that they don't have a student loan on the other side of it. And God bless the man, he did that for us. Um, and my loan wasn't massive anyway because I'd been working and paying it down as I went because I was already breaching the threshold. As we learned, I, I had jobs, I was working in the distribution centre and whatnot. So he cleared the, the rest. But does that make me privileged? Of course it does because privilege means you have an advantage. Um, and I find this subject, like I don't even really want to get into it too much because I, I think there's some people that want to, use privilege as an excuse for other people but they want to use privilege as an excuse for their own success and it's like well if you feel so bad about your own success like go and fucking help some other people go and give some back go and give all your money away go start from scratch again and, and then go and get rid of your your privilege uh, demons that you're carrying around like it's just a weird thing that that's become such a big thing but uh, anyway very lucky very blessed gave me a head start did it matter? No, because I went and pissed all the money up against the wall eventually anyway um, and was still an idiot and didn't value 
Maybe I would have valued my loan more if I had to pay it back myself. So who knows? You know, maybe that didn't really teach me something. Um, but that is that is what it is, and I won't hide from that. I don't like to miss out on financial facts. So that was probably quite a goodie that I missed earlier in these. So I think they were probably wondering, well, how did I choose to pay off my student loan? Because I didn't really talk about that, and it's a hard one because interest loans are, oh, sorry, student loans are interest-free, right, until you go overseas. So why would you be in a rush to pay off a student loan. I've done a podcast and a money mail on that, um, so I won't chew up a whole heap of time covering that one. But if I wasn't going overseas, I wouldn't be in a rush to pay that down, and I would know that that debt's becoming effectively less as they inflate money and print even more of it and make more money of it and there's more of it in the system. Historic debts become worth less, but you're kind of forced to pay 12% back once you get above that, say, 20 grand threshold, and 12% of your gross income, so say you're making 50k, let's just keep it round numbers, you're going to be paying 12% of your 30k back a year. A lot of my mates that took all the course-related costs plus the weekly living costs and stuff, plus did five years at uni and different things, like I did four, um, when they get to like 30 to finally pay it off, they say, shit, it's like getting a massive pay rise because they're getting 12% of their gross payback. And by that age, if they've gone through their career, they're actually starting to earn some pretty good coin as well. So it's a pretty big, it's a big amount, you know, but it's forcing you to save too. So what I would say is once you pay it back and stick to that and keep putting that 12% aside, you know that you can, you already know that you can save it. Now you can start to invest it or you can do something different with it. But I probably wouldn't be in like a rush to repay it back, but I'd be trying to because I just wouldn't want heaps of debt. Uh, but that's just very general in my opinion. You should be, if you're thinking about buying a home, for instance, speak to a mortgage advisor to get their opinion on it and to make sure that it's not going to impact your ability to buy a home or something like that. So what would you have liked to have learned more about during your school years? Probably myself, eh? Like tactics or methodology, literature to understand one's self. Like I can't remember half the shit from school and why we even learnt it, why it's part of the curriculum uh, but what I would say about school and university for me, I went and did a speech at my old university, Massey University, and I said, I was to some, a lot of the top scholars, and I said, you guys have learned how to learn, and that is a very important skill because we always have to keep learning, right? So if you learn how to learn, you're always sweet because you can dig in and you can sit down and you can learn a lot of shit. For a lot of people, they don't like learning. It just bores the shit out of them. They're probably not listening to these podcasts. They're just like, fuck this. Why would I listen to a podcast? I had someone during the week who said to me, I said, what's your favorite podcast? I'm like, I've never listened to a podcast. I'm like, okay, well, I've recorded like 30 this month plus, um, you know, whatever. And younger person too. I thought there's absolutely sure, like no way they haven't listened to a podcast. They weren't even taking this. I haven't listened to an ebook either. I'm like, oh, just, okay. So you know, each to their own. But uh, I think ways to learn more about yourself and if you learn how to learn, you're, you're on the front foot because that sets you up really well. Obviously, more stuff about financial literacy. I do hear all the calls for, oh, we should have financial literacy in schools and stuff like that. And hey, I'm cool with that. But I think it kind of takes you to have something to then understand it more. And yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of still figuring out how I feel about that subject. But I think the base st- baseline stuff would be great. But I don't know if it'll be the saviour because 
if say people then go out into the workforce and they you know like make a whole heap of money like I did uh, they might just not care because they just they might not be set up to be ready for that money like I wasn't and they might just ignore all of that stuff like like we do with the education we get maybe your sexual education always wear a condom well how's that played out let's be honest you know sometimes the student isn't ready for the teacher so I don't know if kids that aren't earning money that aren't in jobs and shit like I don't know if they are ready I don't know if they're students yet for a world that they're not even a part of but I'm sure parents and stuff yeah, I don't know because I'm not a parent, but I'm sure parents would be able to teach their kids some of this stuff too. Um, but probably throwing the kids out the front to understand business a bit more, that's probably quite smart. And saying, right, turn these lemons into $40 and then taxing them. Brilliant. Give them 20 bucks back. Sorry. Sorry, we got a 50% tax bracket in this household. Oh, now we need your rent as well. So you're back to zero. Go and find some more lemons from the neighbours. And don't steal them too. That's naughty. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe some financial literacy stuff, but not like overdoing it. Um, what else in schools? Hmm, I feel like I've answered this question before and had like a real good answer, but I probably should have thought about this, but that's what I do, I hit record. But anything that yeah helps you learn more about yourself, like self-awareness. I think confidence for a lot of people, confidence is massive. I saw a lady in a reel today, uh, Instagram reel, talking about how um, she wished more people had confidence and she wished she had more confidence, be able to take more risks and do those types of things. But, you know, as you increase your confidence, your life becomes easier because you're less afraid to ask, you're less afraid of rejection, you're less worried about how you look in the mirror, like all of those types of things, they all just start to decrease like a little bit. And I think if we could teach people how to be more confident, we'd have people who are um, a lot happier or a lot more willing to probably try and squeeze more out of their life. But again, my personal opinion, I could have that completely wrong. Most amount of money you've lost and why. Um, I think I told the story where Phil and I did the $10,000 sponsorship for school rebates. That kind of sucked pretty early on in a business journey to just basically rinse like 10G, but it's all good. We learned from it and it is what it is. Um, have I have I lost uh, an oh yeah run like a big competition once as well and thought like that it would just be huge and heaps of people would come and put up like a ten thousand dollar prize and yeah that that day kind of I, I worked so hard to put the day on and I walked out of there that day and I was down like I think I was seven grand in a hole so it had cost me seven grand to put on and uh, that's including the prize. And um, like I'd, I'd just used so much of my time to do it, and I was just like, man, this um, this sucks. But I, I kind of like those hidings, and I liked getting some of them early on because it just it made me be like, I need to do these things differently, and it taught me to think differently uh, about how we would do things in the future, and have like more honest conversations instead of just brushing it under the carpet. I would actually be like, this need this can't happen again, and do things differently, right. Who taught you about being so positive, i.e. investing with money and not getting in ruts? Where does my positivity come from? Um, I think, like, instantly my brain gives me my dad. Very, very positive person. Um, can be. Like, everybody can be positive. I think my sister's massively positive as well. And, and like, she doesn't take any shit from me. So, like, if I tell her about shit, she'd be like, come on, like, fucking get on with it. 
Um, I could just about hear, hear her saying that to me. Uh, I've always been like glass half full, positive kind of guy, and I think people come to expect that from me. So then when I'm not like that, they're like, yo, like pull your head in. And even with my girlfriend, quite early into our relationship, I said, hey, you know, if you catch me whinging and stuff like that, you need to say, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's do something about it or stop it. So I kind of like train people around me as well to be like, hey, what are you up to? Uh, but there's definitely times that I'm negative or down and stuff, and sometimes they're warranted, sometimes they're not. But I've kind of learned how to get myself out of those types of funks and stuff. And I think I said on one of these pods, action is the antidote to anxiety. If you do shit, you're going to be less likely to be an- anxious and negative because you're taking action. So, you know, maybe I'm a massive action taker. One of my um, strengths is activator. So I like to do things very quickly. To give you an example today, I finished on a phone call with a potential new client. It was 9.50. I had a client coming in at 10 a.m. I drafted a massive email to send to this client to send the proposal Client turned up at 9.57, and in my head, I'm like, I need to get this out. The activator in me is like, this has to be, this has got to go. And I'm like, he's three minutes early. I said, mate, could I, I just finish this email and get this off, and then we're laughing. So I, I am naturally wired to do things and do things really quickly. The downside to that is I could probably go and read that email tomorrow, and there could, I'm not saying there is, I'm fairly sure or I proofread it twice, there could be a mistake on it that my brain just wouldn't have seen in that activated state that it will 24 hours later. But I often read, I got a proposal today for uh, people selling us something or offering us a service and there was a double up on a word in it. And I think people don't care about that shit as much as you think they do. And I'm like, oh, let, let's not use their service because look, they've used this word twice or they've spelt the sentence wrong. You know, those things you'll realise they're not as important as what kind of the nitpicky type people will try and encourage you to think they are because they're probably just coming from a lack of actual experience of dealing with things going wrong themselves or or confidence so they'll just tell you how massively dramatic those things are and it's like fuck no one cares everyone's moving at speed like let's get on with it so I think um the fact that I take a lot of action and take it quickly because I'm wired that way it kind of it helps me as well because I um am it's like moving forward so that I'm maybe less likely to kind of be negative but I don't know that's Maybe I'm drawing a conclusion that's not really there yet, but um, I just think there's no real point in being negative, and it just, um, yeah, I, I can be negative, like, don't get me wrong, but I just don't think there's, there's too much there for us if we, if we stay there. We end up regretting it, so um, just delete out, like I say, the negative type thoughts and thinking and words and people and Instagram accounts and shit from your life and especially if it's like getting too much you know that's when you really need to look at it and go whoa I'm watching the news every night or this is um constantly talking about this person or I'm watching this and being negative like just strip it out and just pull it out of your life hey mate do you have a podcast or any info on how to buy sell gold in New Zealand pros and cons now when the uh, COVID sort of hit I actually put some money into gold through a couple of funds and I put five grand in and it's still worth five grand, like nothing's happened. I also moved a little bit of my KiwiSaver into it and they were like, we don't really recommend this. And I was like, yeah, but you didn't recommend investing in A2, so fucking just push the order. Um, but yeah, that's not moved at all and it's just done nothing. So 
I don't know what the goal is with gold. Maybe I'll do a podcast on this at some stage. I don't know heaps about it. It's really hard to understand. But you know, do you really want to have a shit ton of physical gold in your house like, and try and carry it around? Oh, hey, I'm going to move houses. Oh, yeah, sweet. I now have to move my fucking gold bars. Um, weird. But I think that's why people are gravitating towards it, crypto and stuff and Bitcoin because it's, to some people, seems like a digital type of gold. But, yeah, I'm not an expert in that space. But sorry, mate, I don't have anything rock solid for you to listen to but maybe go and look at Peter Schiff on YouTube P-E-T-E-R um, Schiff S-C-H-I-F-F massive gold fan he's very smart to an economist uh, over there well talks about the economy over there in um, America and knows a lot about gold someone that I'd watch maybe once a week hey mate wondering how old you were in some of these podcasts for context i.e. 2019 save 100k yeah Spot on. So 2019, I would have been 32, I think, by the time I cracked the 100K. Um, I'll be 34 in, was it 2019 that I did that? I think I did that in 2020. But anyway, probably like 32, 31. What's the best way we can thank you? Well, um, and I didn't tee this question up and pretend like it's something that actually didn't happen. It's This is a genuine question. Sanjay, you're a champion, mate. You thank me in many ways, mate. You're always giving me, sending me feedback and encouraging me. Uh, honestly like I get a lot out of people just messaging and say that they're learning and saying thank you and stuff those things mean a lot to me and it it encourages me to kind of keep going and to do more like I say I I could get I could be done with this at some stage I'm I'm trying to commit to 10 years of doing something with with keep the change um, and I need to find ways to do that but um, ultimately like there could be a new project that comes up and I think you know what something's got to give and I'm going to have to let something go so I'll just try to pour as much I can into this as I can um, when I can, so that's why obviously these podcasts and um, newsletters and stuff, they're going to be there for a long time too for people to be able to go back to and I might put them down for a while then come back to them but I'm no intention to at the moment but I guess if you put something on your social media or just share something that you learn with other people and pay it forward, you know, that means a lot to me because ultimately you know, I think we need a better economy and we need more people that are keen to get in control of their shit and prosper and, and be in control themselves and not have to rely on so many other people. And that can take a long time to get to that point. But isn't that such a great goal? And wouldn't we want more people doing that? Um, yeah, I just, I just feel like we might be heading the wrong way around wanting to rely on the government heaps and there's going to be a lot of inheritance type chat coming up because all the boomers have got the cash and they're going to pass that down. But like, don't you want to take control of life yourself? Don't you want to fucking figure out how to do that? Maybe it's just me. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure there's a heap of you listening to this. But if we can teach people that that's possible, then I think we owe it to them, right? And that's sort of what these are about. So maybe share some of the stuff with other people and, yeah, see what comes of it. Hopefully they like it. Would you consider putting extra towards home repayments? Saving, 40% idea. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not in the position where I've got a house at the moment, so... I'm not thinking about that, but um, well, when debt was cheap, I probably wouldn't have been in a hurry to pay it down. But then people say, well, that's stupid because if it gets more expensive, then why wouldn't you have wanted to pay it down? But I would have been rash and been like, well, I'm going to invest it in the meantime and try and turn that investment into more, and then I can pay off more of my debt. So say I increase my investment, say 10 grand, and got a 50% return, then, which is like, you know, tough to do, but it was happening during the bubble and you know, you're paying off 15k your debt, well, that time, 
you're looking at two to three percent interest. <clears throat> so why wouldn't you use the cheap money? Well, if, because it's cheap, it's <clears throat> excuse me, it's only two to three percent. You you'd be better to try and invest it and get a return if you know what you're doing, obviously. But you know we're all kind of gambling, aren't we? Thinking we know what we're doing, but um, as interest rates go up, yeah, you don't want to be having high levels of debt because then you've got to pay a higher amount in interest and things like that. But um, it's a hard one to balance. But you know, I think. I, even when I had a loan, a, a mortgage, I'd still be trying to pay off a bit more than I could. And a lot of our clients that do quite well, I'm always encouraging them to set up their loans in a form that they can offset their mortgage. So say their mortgage is 300 grand, they might have 150 on a fixed rate and then they might have 150 in a um, a offset component. So that means that they're paying interest at a higher rate but if they put some of their money that they've got spare, which they may have spare in their business, waiting to pay for tax, for instance, I'll say, well, let's move that hundred grand from your business and put it against that hundred and fifty, and they're only paying interest on the fifty grand rather than the hundred and fifty until they draw it back out. So they've still got access to it, but they are offsetting it in the meantime, and you are effectively making your money cheaper because you're having to pay less interest to the bank. So again, like. What you want to do, I think, is look at your financial situation and find ways to make your situation work. But that always comes back to what are your goals? Now, if your goal is to maybe buy a rental property once you've got your first home, well, then, yeah, you probably want to try and pay down your debt as fast as you can on your first property and pay some extras and stuff so that when you go to the bank, you can be like, look, I've got extra equity. I've got a proven track record of paying off more than my mortgage than I needed to over a 12-month period, give me some more cash because I'm going shopping for a second house and they may let you do that. So always think about your exact situation. Like, It's very hard to give general kind of opinion on things because everyone's thinking about their exact situation. So think about your situation and where you're trying to get to and then what you can do to feed into those things. That has been some of the questions that you asked me. I really didn't think that was going to take 45 minutes, so I apologize because it's a little bit of a longer one. But uh, thank you for tuning in as always. That has been day number 28 and there's some good stuff in there, some good questions coming through which is always cool to see and cool to see that people actually engage and interact and do want to ask some of those questions as well. Two days to go. I'm going to see you tomorrow on day number 29.